Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Please be seated. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm two for two. All right. If you have a Bible, let me encourage you to open that to Luke chapter number 10. You and I are going to ask the question tonight, why was he so good? In Luke chapter 10, we read of a parable. If I point at you, will you just change it for me? We're going to read of a parable of the Good Samaritan. I don't need that, but I can use it. Turn over to Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25. Here's what you'll read. Thanks, sir. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up tempting him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, What's written in the law? How do you read it? And he said, Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy strength, all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. So this lawyer said to him, If uh, thou answerest right, and thou do this, thou shalt live. Or Jesus answered that. He, the lawyer, willing to justify himself. Now, in my Bible, I have that underlined. If you're writing your Bible, let me encourage you to do that. He said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell amongst the thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance... There came away a priest, and we saw him, he passed by on the other side, and then a Levite who passed by on the other side, but there was a Samaritan who journeyed and came where he was and saw him and had compassion on him. And he went to him, and he took care of his wounds. He put in oil and wine as medicine. He set him on his own beast, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow he left, and he took out two pence, and he gave them to the host, and he said, take care of this man, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will pay thee back. Jesus answered and said, or asked and said, which one of these three do you think was the neighbor to him that fell amongst the thieves? And this lawyer was forced then by good logic and good old-fashioned common sense to say, the one that showed mercy. Stop right there. As you and I begin to look at this parable, there's some background information we have to look at. Jesus is, is speaking to a, a man who is very educated in the law of Moses at this point in time. He is a, a lawyer by terms of the Bible, but it's not necessarily a lawyer like you and I think. He's not arguing a case. Uh, what he has is a, a very extensive degree in the law of Moses. Someone can come to him and ask him, what should I do if this is happening, uh, say, on a holy day? What am I supposed to do? And he knows the law well enough, he can tell them what the law would say. Well, this lawyer stands up before Jesus, and all of these men and women have seen him and have understood that he has presented himself as the Son of God. 
And he stands up and he tempts him. See, in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4 is not the only time within the life of Jesus that he's ever tempted. We look at those occasions and we say, oh yeah, you know, uh, uh, rocks to bread, uh, throw yourself off the root, that, all those, those temptations. Oh no. Even right here, Jesus is tempted by this man. He, he's saying these things in order to uh, spur a fight. He's saying these things in order to kind of rile Jesus up and get underneath his skin. So uh, Jesus says to him, what does the law say? And this is not the first time Jesus has said this. You go back to Matthew chapter 19, verse number 3, and you'll see those uh, scribes and Pharisees coming to Jesus, asking him this question, and he says, what, what does the law say? How do you read that? And so it's not the first time Jesus has said to these men and women, uh, what does the law say about it? And after the, the man recites what the law says, Jesus said, if you'll do that, you'll be successful in life. Then you have this lawyer once again. And here's why I underlined this section of Scripture in my Bible. Willing to justify himself. Right here, you have a divine look at the, the motive behind the question. The lawyer's not looking to make sure he is following the law. He's not looking to make sure that he's doing what he's supposed to do. He's not making, making uh, uh, sure that, that he's pleasing God. What he's trying to do is justify what he's doing. And if I understand him justifying himself, what he's not doing is being faithful to God. In this particular passage, Jesus is going to teach publicly. And many times he taught privately and he taught to his apostles. He taught, or what would be his future apostles, those 12 hand-chosen disciples. He'll speak to disciples uh, of, of all elk. He'll speak to men. He'll speak to women. His job was to teach. And many times he had to use miracles and signs and wonders to do those teachings. You and I read about that in Acts chapter 2. Here at this case... He used what, what we call a parable. A parable is a word that was not translated, but rather transliterated. They took the uh, Greek word or the Greek letters of the word parabole, and they gave it its English equivalent because they didn't really know how to exactly say what Jesus was doing. The word literally means to lay down beside. And what Jesus is doing is laying down beside some common action, a principle that God would have man to live by. Go back, if you will, to Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the, the sower and the soils. Now, those men and women who were there knew exactly what he meant when he said a sower went forth to sow. And knew exactly what that broadcasting of that seed looked like and exactly what it would look like when uh, ravens would come and eat those seeds or, or seeds would get choked out by thorns or seeds would, would pop up and then they would wither out because of the sun, because of, of uh, rocks in the soil. And we know about that, don't we? He knew about that good soil too. So when, when he's laying that parable down, those people are going, 
Yeah, I had some rocks in my soil too. I've had thorns beside my garden too. Here he's laying down a truth beside a man who takes a journey. And within this parable, you're going to see good versus bad. Righteous versus wicked, godly versus worldly. You're going to see profitable versus unprofitable. And that was the point of his preaching every time. Which category do you fit in? Every time. Everything Jesus ever said as he's speaking to these men and women on this earth while he has an opportunity is geared to this. Are you righteous or are you wicked? Which group do you fit into? And so... Why was the Good Samaritan so good? Most everybody who would have been hanging out with Jesus would have thought, if I, listen, if I'm found on the road half dead and a Samaritan comes by, just let me die the rest of the way. I'd rather be helped by anybody other than a Samaritan. And what do you find in Luke chapter 10? What do you find at the end when he asks the lawyer who was the real neighbor? And he reluctantly has to say, the Samaritan. Why was he so good? Who cares about this story about a guy who never existed? Why are we studying a parable that's 2,000 plus years old when we don't have problems with Samaritans? Why was he so good? Well, let's figure out at least a little bit why the Good Samaritan was so good. Number one, he was good because he did what he, what he should have done. Look at verse number 30. Let me get back over there. Verse number 30. Here's what you'll read. Jesus said there's a certain man who's going down from Jerusalem into Jericho. Now, Jericho is north of Jerusalem, right? For you who've been there, right? Yes. Shake your head this way. It's up on the map. That means north, right? Y'all know what maps are? Okay, good. All right, so it's, it's a little north, but just not due north of Jerusalem. So why did it say he goes down from Jerusalem to Jericho? You know what? That might be a mistake. And if that's the case, let's just put it down and go home. Right? He's not speaking geographically north. What he's speaking down, what he's speaking of is elevation. So he's going down from the city of Jerusalem on the hill down to Jerusalem to Jericho uh, in the plain there. And he's on a road that is known to have criminals. He's on a road that is known to be very rough. And as he's on that road, guess what happens to this man? Somebody finds him. Somebody takes everything that he has and beats him up and leaves him to die. But luckily for him, and through the grace of God, there comes a priest. He's saved, right? No. Because what the priest does is, I'm sorry, camera guys, he sort of passes by on the other side, sort of just looking at him. Well, maybe he had something to do. 
The next man to walk by was a Levite. And he once again passes by on that other side. And the Bible will tell us there that he stops and stares at him for a minute. I got other things I got to do. And he goes on his way. So what we've had is two opportunities for a man to be saved and a man to uh, have his medical needs met and yet all he has had done to him so far is stare at him. Maybe it is the fact that the priest didn't touch him and the Levite didn't touch him because they did not want to be ceremonially unclean. Maybe it is the fact that they had something important that they needed to do in the temple and they couldn't risk being unclean for seven days. Because nobody else in the entirety of the nation of Israel could do what these two guys can do. Do you think God's law deals with ceremonial clean or ceremonially clean or, or helping somebody? These guys didn't understand that. Neither did the people who were asking Jesus about who the neighbor was. They didn't understand the fact that God said, look out for the other person. They didn't understand the fact that when, when uh, Abel said to God, am I my brother's keeper, that the emphatic answer to that is yes. I am. What they understood is they had a job that I got to get to. They could have helped. They should have helped. They should have stopped. But they just walked on by. And then there was a Samaritan. I wonder what the face of the men who Jesus was telling this parable to I wonder what their face looked like when he said the word Samaritan. Ugh. Maybe he'll walk on by too. Look at verse number 33 and 34. There's a marked difference between the Samaritan and the other two, and it's found in verse number 33. He journeyed, he came on his way, and he saw him. Just like all the rest, they saw him. Now here's the difference. When he saw him, the Samaritan had compassion on him. Maybe it is as a Samaritan growing up, you kind of get used to people going from Jerusalem to Jericho and getting beat up. Maybe he's used to seeing that. Maybe he has seen that in his own family. And maybe when he looks at that, he says, man, this, this shouldn't be this way. This guy's dying right here. What are we going to do? I know this. When the Samaritan saw him, he had compassion on him. And that is a trait that was missing from the, the, the Levite and the priest. That was what was missing. 
That's what made the difference. Not just the actions, not just him taking care of this man in his time of need, but what made the difference was the compassion that was seen by the Samaritan. You know what makes him so good? Because he did what he should have done. How many times do we walk past situations and we don't do what we should have done? And we think, I got to get to X, Y, or Z. Somebody will take care of this or that. The Good Samaritan was good because in verse 33 and 34, he did what Jesus would have done. Not only what he should have done, but he would do what Jesus would have done. Notice Jesus as he's back in, in uh, Matthew chapter 23, as he's gazing back onto Jerusalem. And he's there on the top of that hill, and he's, he's weeping for them. And he looks down at the city, just the city with compassion, just the buildings. And he sees those people there. And he said, Jerusalem... Jerusalem, I would have gathered you under my wings the way a chicken gathers her chicks. I would have protected you. I would have been your Savior. But you didn't want that. You turned your back on me. This good Samaritan did what Jesus would have done. Jesus looked at people with compassion. Consistently with compassion. I must needs go through Samaria. Here's a woman caught in the very act. You want to see the compassionate eyes of Jesus. Look at him on the cross. That's the last place you need to look. He's looking down at the disciple that you and I know as John. And he says, behold thy mother. And to his mother he says, behold thy son. The last compassionate act of Jesus was to make sure his mother was taken care of. The Good Samaritan was good because he did what Jesus would have done. Mostly. Here's why I say mostly. Jesus would have not had need to bind up his wounds with medicine, would not have had need to put him on his beast and take him to an inn. Jesus would have healed him right there and he'd have got up and walked on. Well, let's suppose for a moment that Jesus didn't have that ability. With the compassionate eyes that Jesus had, would he have used his medicine to help this man? Would he have put him on his own beast to help this man? Yes. Would he have taken him to the inn? Yes. Would he have pulled out his credit card and said, keep this on file and whatever you need it, just swipe it? A lot of times we like to read and think of the parable and say, you know, if I was traveling on a, on a beast and I had medicine, I would, I would do that for them too. Yeah, would you pull out your own credit card? Oh, I don't know about that, preacher. Okay. Do you know what Jesus would say? Thy money perish with thee. You just watch out. He was good because he did what Jesus would have done if he were in that same situation. Notice this one. 
The Good Samaritan was good because he did what anyone could have done. What absolutely anyone could have done. Look at verse number 35. And on the morrow he departed and he took out some money, gave it to the host, and he said, use this. Whatever you use past this, keep a tally of it. Let me know when I come back, I'll make everything square. Anyone could have done that, couldn't they? Anybody could have. Yeah, that's a true statement. Anybody could have. But how many did? Here's where the rubber really meets the road, ladies and gentlemen. When I know what should have been done, and I know what Jesus would have done, am I willing to do what anyone could have done? The Good Samaritan wasn't Superman. He didn't do the miraculous and fly him over there. He simply did what anyone could have done. He did what the priest could have done. He did what the Levite could have done. And yet we're not speaking about the parable of the Good priest or the good Levite, are we? It's the good Samaritan. Why was he so good? Because he did what he was supposed to do, should have done what Jesus would have done and what anyone else could have done. You say, so what? What does this have to do with me? Great question. Look at verse number 26, or 36 rather. Jesus will ask that same question. Now, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him that fell amongst the thieves. And, and the, the lawyer reluctantly had to say, the one who showed mercy on him. Now, here's what Jesus said after that. It's time for you to put wheels on that lesson. It's time to make it applicable. Jesus said, or the, the, the uh, lawyer said, the one who, who showed mercy, the one who was compassionate. And here's what Jesus says. So you, you lawyer man, you who were trying to justify himself, one who may be questionable in life, why don't you go and do likewise? Why don't you go and, and do that same thing? As a matter of fact, what he does not say is, why don't you? What he says is a command, go and do. Is that applicable for the lawyer? Shake or nod. When Jesus said go and do, was that, was that something he was supposed to do? <laughs> All right, let me ask you this. If it was applicable for a lawyer, would it be applicable for a Christian? Mm. Preacher, stop. We were having a great lesson about a good Samaritan, and you had to ruin it. The principle and the teaching is right there. This should be the easiest part of our week. We come together with our brothers and sisters who we love and who love us, and we have an opportunity to, to worship our God and, and, and never have a fear of anyone outside coming in telling us to stop. 
the more difficult time should be out there where we look with eyes of compassion and see people who are hurting. Where everyone should have helped them. Anyone living like Jesus would have helped them. And anyone could have helped them. And yet we walk by them and see that no one has. What do you do? Let's ask, let's ask this question in reality. There comes a point in time in which you go downtown. What do you do? You see those men and women the same way I see them. Help them or not? Many times that's a case-by-case -case basis. Now, I've gotten pretty good at picking out the ones who are faking and the ones who are not. Generally, it's a cellular phone-shaped bulge in their back pocket. That's a good indicator that probably they're not homeless. What do you do? Do you get him a meal? You walk by as if he never even spoke to you? When's the last time that guy ate? Last time I was down there, had a guy come up to me. And the only thing I had on me that was valuable for money was some change in the, the cup holder of my truck. I think I may have given him a dollar and a half in change. And he had all my money. Here, you need this worse than I do. Do we look at those people with compassion? Or do we say, whenever an opportunity presents itself, then I will. Let me invite you to open your eyes because the fields are wide unto the harvest. Opportunity for us to do good is all around us. We have to take advantage of that opportunity. We have to go be the children of God. We have to find ourselves in the same situation that Jesus found himself. Where we have opportunity to help those who are around us. Whether that be physical help or whether that be spiritual help. This lawyer needed help. He needed spiritual help. There are those around us who need physical help, like that young man who was beat up on the side of the road. Open your eyes, look at the field. It's white to harvest. If a, if a parable was written about your life, could it be entitled The, the Good American? Or would you be a footnote as the priest and the Levite in someone else's parable. Here is where everything sits. In order to be pleasing to God, I must be pleasing to God. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? In order to be obedient to God, I must obey Him. 
I must put on Christ in baptism. I must become his child even tonight. In order to do anything good for him and for the kingdom, I'm going to have to be part of his kingdom. If you haven't done that, I've got great news for you. The water behind me is warm. So you won't be cold. You need to be obedient to God. And if you have done those things and yet you find yourself not as faithful as you should be, then today is the day to come home. Right now. While we stand and while we sing.